Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. And amen. Well, hey, this morning we're in the book of John. The book of John was written by... John, you guys are bright. You guys are bright. It was written by John or stories that John had told that were written by one of John's assistants. John is the book of John. John was the youngest disciple. Many people don't know that. John was the youngest disciple. John was also one of the only disciples that wasn't martyred. As far as we know, John died on the Isle of Patmos where he was sent to be isolated. Um, he was the brother of James. He had another brother that was a disciple. James was John's brother. They were both disciples together. He um, died around 99 A.D. He was called the Beloved. History, Scripture tells us that he was Jesus' favorite disciple. Do you know who it was that told us that? John. So, I mean, we don't, I guess I'll have to ask Jesus when we get up there. John said he was his favorite. He calls himself the Beloved. His mom's name? Salami. Come on, how many of you glad you don't got that? And his dad was Zebedee, so neither that wasn't good either. I mean, you got two options and both were bad. How many of you glad they changed names? You could have been Salami on the playground. I mean... My gosh, that's a rough childhood. And this is where we pick up John. John's writing, and he's detailing so many different interactions he's had with Jesus, so many different things he's seen Jesus do, miracles he's seen Jesus perform, moments that he spent with Jesus, and we get to pick up one of those today. We started last week. We were in John chapter 10, so that means this week we're in chapter ha, 12. I just wanted to trick y'all. Hey, listen, we're skipping 11, going to 12. John chapter 12, one. Six days before the Passover celebration began. Now, let me just stop. How many know what Passover is? Been to a Passover. Passover celebration is when the Israelites celebrate God bringing them out of Egypt. So they were in captivity to Egypt for 400 years. God delivers them from Egypt. The day God delivers them, this is like right after all the plagues happen. The death angel comes. All of the Egyptians' firstborn children die. And then God says, get ready because I'm about to take you out of the land. He says, make a meal, but God gives them very specific instructions. They didn't have time for the bread to rise. So he says, don't put any yeast in it. So now, today, they still celebrate. And if you go and you eat a traditional Seder Passover meal, you eat matzah bread, which is flat bread with no yeast in it. And there's all these different things they did. We'll one day do a big one at the, at the church, and it's a whole Seder meal, and it's phenomenal because there's so much symbolism in there. I was so blessed. My grandfather, every year of my childhood, youth, until he died, would do a Passover Seder meal around Easter, and the whole family family, all 50 of us would get there, and he would be like the rabbi. He wasn't a rabbi. He'd just act like he's a rabbi. And he would just institute it. And so he'd teach you, this is why you eat bitter herbs, and this is why you got to have the lamb shank, and here's why they have a boiled egg, and here's why somebody's going to go look for the prophet Elisha, and here's all these intricacies into this dinner. So this is a huge celebration that they would spend every year together celebrating. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. I love this one line. You can preach a whole message off this one line. He has raised Lazarus from the dead. The thing the devil just tried to kill is now hosting dinner. How awesome is that? Isn't it amazing? Obviously, oftentimes that the things the enemy tries to kill in you are the things God wants to use in you. The things the enemy tries to rob from you are oftentimes the parts of you that God wants to get glory from the most. He was at the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. 
Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Another translation tells us Lazarus reclined next to Jesus. I'm reading that for the first time and just thinking, you know what? If you've been raised from the dead, you could recline anywhere you want. You could take a nap at dinner. You could lay down at breakfast. You could lay down anywhere you want to if you've been dead and rose from the grave again. Lazarus is sitting around the table reclining with Jesus. They're all hanging out there. Martha's serving. And then we see this extravagant expression of love for Jesus unfold. An expression of love that doesn't make any sense. It just seems over the top. It seems almost obnoxious if you don't understand it. And that's what I want to talk about today. Then Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. Do you know what nard is? Nard is like a very thick perfume, almost like a petroleum jelly. So this would have been what they used as perfume then. Like, like think of petroleum jelly if you could just put a little dab on you and it would make you smell everywhere you went. So this is what nard was like. And she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, for he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. I love that we get to see this amazing moment of expression for love for Jesus that seems nonsensical. You ever been at dinner when somebody did something weird? Yeah, you ever been someplace where somebody just did something and like stopped the whole meal and like all of a sudden everybody's like, time out, like that's weird. Now you just ruined the whole dinner. We were at dinner one night and this kid was sitting around. And he had a glass. My mom had like these big like, um, like long stem glasses and like kind of wide glass bowls at the top that you would drink out of. And there's this kid sitting at dinner with us one night and he's there and I see him keep squeezing this glass. Now I'm one of five boys. We've all thought, I wonder if I could break the glass, you know. And he's sitting there squeezing it. My, it's a pastor that is meeting with my dad. All of our families are having dinner. It's kind of a like little like formal-ish dinner and like as we're all sitting there all of a sudden this glass breaks the kids squeeze it it breaks it cuts his jugular or his, his arterial open and he starts spraying blood all over my mom's kitchen oh god oh god i'm gonna die how you know the dinner was over nobody's eating anything after that moment it changed the whole dynamic of the dinner if you've ever been in a meal when somebody did something so interruptive so obtrusive that it stopped everything this is certainly what happened in this moment as all of the disciples are laying there as all of them are crowded around mary comes in out of nowhere and everyone's just laying around having a good time talking sharing stories hey hadn't it awesome we get to celebrate passover together And out comes Mary from the back room, and Mary's got a jar. This jar, Scripture tells us, was worth a year's salary. I want you to think of a year's salary for you. I want you to think of 365 days of work. I want you to think of, oh, it's going to be worth it one day when the savings pays off. I want you to think of, oh, I know it's early, but it's going to pay off when I get that promotion. I want you to think about, yeah, I'm putting in some extra hours, but it's okay because that's going to cover this over here. I want you to think about early mornings and late nights, a year of her life. And she has it in this bottle, and she walks out in the middle of everyone. And to understand this scene correctly, you have to kind of understand nard. Nard, like petroleum jelly, cannot be poured. It must be scooped which means she could not just scoop it out of this jar. She had to break this jar. And so she gets at Jesus' feet, and theologians tell us she would have had to break the jar to begin scooping the nard out to rub on Jesus' feet. 
as she anoints Jesus' feet, we see that brokenness and anointing always go hand in hand. That the areas of your life that are the most broken, like Lazarus' life, are often the places that Jesus wants to use the most because brokenness and anointing go hand in hand. You thought he tried to kill your marriage. No, he wanted to anoint it so that you could show other people how to do marriage the right way. You thought he was giving you a sickness for no reason. No, he taught you joy in the middle of it so that when other people are sick, you could teach them how to have joy. Your brokenness and his anointing always go hand in hand in your life. The beautiful thing about our brokenness is that it is not a flaw that keeps us from Jesus. It's actually a prerequisite to getting close to Jesus. The Bible said God loves a broken and contrite heart. You know what that means when we break ourselves before Jesus, when we see ourselves as we are, when we fully rely on who he is, when we're broken before him, and this is what Mary does. She anoints his feet, breaks open this jar, and begins wiping his feet with her hair. As she's pouring out her love, this extravagant expression of love, this extravagant expression of generosity, this extravagant expression of her love for Jesus, we see someone else at the table, Judas. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. You know what I've found in life? is that religious people are always critical of extravagant expressions of love and generosity for Jesus. Always. You're really going to quit your job and go work at the church? <laughs> You're really going to give that much money to them? Oh, how do you know what they're going to do with that? You're really going to go and give that time, and they're never going to, oh, okay. Religious people are always critical of extravagant expressions of love for God. And this is what we see Judas is sitting around the table, and now he's being critical. Huh, yeah, sure, she's going to pour that out on Jesus. We could have gotten so much. But you know who Jesus was really thinking about? Himself. Jesus tells us Judas was concerned about it not because of the action. He was concerned about it because it was worth a lot of money, and he could have sold it and gotten money for himself. In this moment, Judas is sitting there, and here's what I thought reading this is it convicted me, if I'm honest. I'm a loyal person. How many got loyalty in you? Loyalty is like something you're either born with or you're not. It's like I've discovered that. It's like either in you or it isn't. I'm a loyal guy. I go to death for you. I'm like the friend you call to bury a body. They still call me. I'm a pastor, and I'm like, I, I'm sorry. I'm preaching right now. I can't bury it right now. You're going to call me in two hours, okay? <laughs> I, I'm as loyal as it gets. Loyalty's huge to me, and this is what I think of when I think of Jesus sitting around the table with Judas for three years. How many of you know Jesus knew the first day he met Judas that Judas was going to be the person that betrayed him? And for three years, Jesus treated Judas the same way he treated John the Beloved. Can I tell you this morning that if Jesus could sit around a table with Judas for three years, then you and I can have grace and love for the difficult people in our lives? That if Jesus could sit around the table and know his thoughts, he was sitting at the table with Judas in the back of his mind going, i got to leave after this to go betray Jesus. He was sitting at lunch with Judas, with Judas thinking, uh-huh, Jesus thinks he's so good, but when he's hanging on that cross, he ain't going to think he's good. For three years, he sat around the table hearing these thoughts go through Judas's mind and treated him no different than any of the other disciples. Let that be a challenge to our lives, that difficult, frustrating people deserve the same grace and love that you and I need oftentimes in our own life. 
Jesus sits around the table with Judas for three years, and Judas is now critical of this extravagant expression of love for Jesus. But you know, this isn't just this moment. It was more than this moment. This moment that Mary comes out and does this seems kind of crazy if this is all you see. I want to quickly give you a highlight of what Mary did. Jesus replies, let me just finish. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for a burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. I want to give you three things Mary did real quick before I wrap up the back end of this. Number one, Mary did what she could. Mary did what she could. How many of you know all of us have something that we can do for Jesus? All of us. God designed you that you have something Jesus needs. You have a gift. You have a quality. You have an ability. You have a skill that Jesus wants to use. Mary goes out in the back of her house and pulls out what she had. She goes, this is what I've got, Jesus, and I'm going to bring it to you, and I'm going to show you an extravagant expression of my love by giving you what I've got. You know, we all have something Jesus can use. Sometimes it's serving. Sometimes it's just going through growth track and getting in a position and going, God, I'm the best greeter there is. So I'm going to be out there smiling and hugging people when they walk in here so they know you love them as much as I love them. Maybe it's going through small groups and getting in and plugging and leading and going, hey, I can help other people because I've been through difficult times and I can help other people through difficult times. There's something that all of us have that Jesus can use inside of each and every one of you. Mary did what Mary could. Number two, Mary did it in the face of criticism. I love this. How many of you know when you go all in for Jesus and when you give Jesus all of you, there's always going to be people critical of you? Oh, I guess you're just one of those Christians now, huh? Oh, I guess you're just holy roller now, huh? I guess you just don't do anything wrong anymore, huh? Oh, I guess... Mary did what she did in the face of criticism. Judas sat there and said, time out, you don't need to do this. You know? And you know what Mary said? Shut up, I don't even care. I can't hear you because I'm so close to the feet of Jesus. I don't even care about what you're saying, Judas. <laughs> Mary did what she did in the face of criticism. Can I tell you today, if you're going to live differently in 2023, you're going to be criticized? I truly believe we stand on the precipice of something supernatural in our world. I have an urgency in my spirit today that I can't explain, but I'm telling you we're on the precipice of something supernatural. And in order to change the world, it takes people who see the world differently than everybody else. It takes people who understand what God wants to do, and it takes people who are not scared or concerned about criticism as much as they are Christ. Mary did it in the face of criticism and then number three, Mary did it on time. She did it on time. I love that Jesus finishes this up. Remember, no one at the table knew when Jesus was getting crucified but Jesus. Mary's doing this, and Jesus says, leave her alone. She's preparing my body for burial because just four chapters later, a few days later, they're going to begin to persecute Jesus, and he'll go on trial. Only Jesus knows that this act of expression of love that Mary is pouring out on him is preparation for the hardest moment of his life on this earth. She did it on time. Can I tell you today, Valley Rise, now is the time. Now is the time. The earth is groaning, the Bible says, for the sons and daughters of God to know who they are. Now is the time. 
We are standing on the precipice of the greatest revival in the history of our world. If you lean into it, God will use you to change the world around you. Now is the time. What Mary did seems crazy oftentimes, unless you understand Mary's story. This extravagant expression of love and generosity towards Jesus seems kind of crazy and awkward and obtrusive, unless you understand the drive and the motivation behind Mary. I want to go back to chapter 11 because chapter 11 is where we find the motivation. Let me bring you this. Jesus is in chapter 11 hanging out with his disciples. He's doing miracles and a messenger comes to him. And the messenger says, Jesus, there's something wrong. Your childhood best friend, the person you love the most, your best, your, your, your best man, he's dying, Jesus. And this is where we pick up chapter 11. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. I love this. But when Jesus heard about it, how many of you know Jesus sees differently than what we see? When Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha... Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. I want you to process this. Although Jesus loves you, he let the marriage be difficult for a little while longer. Although Jesus loves you, he let you stay in the hospital a few more days. Even though Jesus loves you, he knows the bills that you have and when they're going to be paid. It's okay if it's two months behind. Even though he loves you, he did this. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Because it's one thing when Jesus heals you when you're sick. It's another thing when he raises you from the dead. He did this for the glory. I wonder what painful, difficult circumstances are taking place in your life that have little to do with you and a lot to do with God getting glory. This is the moment that we see Lazarus in. Jesus comes and says, no, it won't end in death, but he waits two days longer. Finally, after two days, he says to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. When Mary, John eleven thirty two, 32, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, if only you would have shown up and done, they wouldn't have taken my house. Jesus, if only you would have shown up, my marriage wouldn't have fallen apart. Jesus, if only you would have shown up, they'd have gotten healed. Jesus, if only you would have shown up, they wouldn't have died. I want you to put yourself in this moment where Mary is falling at Jesus' feet. Have you ever seen someone mourn like that? Have you ever really seen, every time I read that, it's easy to read, she fell at his feet. But have you ever seen someone in the throes of grief to the point that they can't hold themselves up? September 11th, 2016, when I got a phone call at 6.30 in the morning that my 20-year-old brother had been killed in a motorcycle accident the night before. Loaded the family up in the car, and we begin to drive seven hours from Alabama to Louisiana. I'm one of five boys. I arrived at the house at the same time as a lot of us were getting in from where we all live, and 
I arrived into a scene that I'll never forget as long as I live. I arrived at the same time as my dad's best friend who had raised my little brother with him, been very close to him. And I'll never forget the moment he walked in the door and they saw each other and they fell on each other weeping, guttural mourns. The man I had seen hold me on his shoulders my whole life was collapsed on the ground holding another man weeping like a child. Have you ever seen someone in the throes of grief, in the throes of their mourning, in the depth of their pain? This is the moment that Jesus arrives to. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Jesus, if only you would have been here. Jesus, if only you could have stopped this painful thing from happening to me. Jesus, if only you could have delayed this horrible thing that happened. You know what I love is Jesus' response Chapter John eleven thirty two. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Hey, can I just tell you today, that's great hope for everyone who's ever lost somebody you love, including me. We will rise again. Your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this? Jesus asked Martha, does she believe this? But this morning I'm asking you if you believe this. Because what Jesus is about to do is one, defeat death. But before he does, he gives us the secret to life. You know what the secret to life is? Mary, do you believe in me? Because what Jesus knew is if Mary believed in Jesus, then that means Mary was daily being transformed to look more and more like Christ every single day. That means if Mary believed in Jesus, then she was not Mary. She was a daughter of the Most High God that was momentarily here for a vapor. They're going to pull the plug, and we're going to wake up up there, and they're going to go, what did you learn? What did you find out? What did God do in you? How did you impact the world around you for the moment you had down there? Mary standing before Jesus, and Jesus goes, I'm going to deal with death. Don't worry about that. I want to give you the secret to living. And the secret to living is live every single day through the lens of belief in me. How am I going to live tomorrow? I don't know, but whatever Jesus wants from me is how I'm going to live tomorrow. What does he desire from me? Anything, God, it's yours. I'm going to live through the lens of belief in Jesus. You know the rest of the story. Jesus goes to the grave, says, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus walks out. You see in chapter 12, they're eating together. But we had to visit this in order for chapter 12 to make sense. Because the reason Mary did not care who was around, who was watching, who was in the room, when she walked out with a year's salary, broke it, got on her knees and said, Jesus, I just want to anoint you. I just want to worship you, Jesus. I just want to praise you. And when people said it's weird, she said, you didn't see me a chapter ago. You didn't see me in my grief when he saved me. You didn't see me at the end of myself. You didn't see me when there was no hope. I have no problem pouring out generous expressions of gratitude to Jesus because he's done so much for me. Can I tell you today is the time to go all in with Jesus. 
Today's the dime. We're standing on the precipice. I'm telling you, let my words ring in your ears. We're standing on the precipice of a supernatural change in our earth. And God is looking for the sons and daughters of God to open their eyes and remember who they are. It is not about you becoming better. It's about you seeing yourself the way Jesus sees you and transforming to that every day. Jesus is waiting for us to wake up to who we really are this morning. To go all in with him. As I close, you know what I love about Mary? One of my favorite things about this story is that as Mary would have anointed Jesus' feet with this nard, the scripture tells us that the whole house smelled like nard. You ever have somebody cook something bad in the whole house and you can smell it? You cook some bad fish in the house and everybody walks in your house the next week. It's like, my God, what, what happened here? <laughs> Everything okay? Y'all good? We need to help y'all? No, I'm sorry. The fish. Hey. You ever have a whole smell in your house you can't get out? We had some birds die behind our microwave last year. It was horrible. We didn't realize it until every time we turned on the vent of the microwave, the whole house smelled like dead birds. So we figured it out after a while. This is nard smelling the whole house. Everybody would walk in and go, oh, what is that? Oh, my God. Mary poured nard all over Jesus. Oh, okay. Do you know what I love about this? Is that from that moment on, everywhere Mary went, When people smelled Mary coming, you know who they smelled? Jesus. They said, they said, is Jesus? Oh, that was Mary. That was Mary coming. Mary's with Jesus a lot. She smells a lot like Jesus. They said, Jesus coming. I smell Jesus. Oh, no, it was Mary. You know what happens when God breaks us and when we pour our life out on him? When people get around you, they don't smell you. They smell Jesus. They see you, but they smell Jesus, and they go, what's different? How do you have joy? How do you have peace? How do you have, what's different? Because you smell different. You smell like Jesus. Can I tell you today is the time to go all in, to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. This isn't about religion. This isn't about church. This is about a relationship between the creator of the universe that he longs to have with you. Jesus died for us to have a relationship. Jesus, I just want you to know, Jesus did not die for Christianity. Christianity is what we made out of Jesus' death. Jesus died to have a relationship with you. God intended Christianity to be a relationship. The Jews said it was a cult. The Romans made it a religion. The Europeans made it a culture. And the Americans made it a business. But all God ever intended it to be was a relationship. And today is the day to go all in with Jesus. I'm telling you we're on the precipice of something. And today is the day to quit wasting time, to quit holding back, to quit playing with stuff that does not matter and will not count at the end of this thing. I want to read to you as I finish a poem that was found under the pillow of a martyred young pastor in Zimbabwe in the early 1900s. Here's what he said. It's called The Fellowship of the Unashamed, A Martyr's Prayer. I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of His. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. 
I'm finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, am uplifted by prayer, and labor by passion. My pace is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way rough. My companions few. My guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up stored up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all I know, work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My banner is clear. Can I tell you today, it's the time to go all in with Jesus. He's coming for his children. Is your banner clear? Do you care about anything else in the house but Jesus? Because God's waiting for you and I to assume the positions He created us for. God's not going to come down and change the world for us. The world changes when you realize who you really are and change your world. When you see yourself the way God created you, when you see yourself as he truly intended you to be, when you realize that God already did all of the hard work, the Bible says Jesus perfected once and for all. That means you don't have to strive, you don't have to try, you don't have to work for it, you don't have to try and be, you just have to be who God created you to be in the fullness of who he is. And today's the day. Would you bow your heads with me? God, thank you today for your goodness and your mercy. God, thank you. God, today we give you extravagant expressions of of our love, Jesus. Extravagant expressions of our life. Extravagant expressions of our journey, Jesus. You can have it all. You can have it all, God. It's all that matters. When we close our eyes on the final day, nothing else in this world will matter other than what we invested into you, Jesus, that you poured out into us. God, I pray today that you would be with us. I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart. God, forgive us for pulling back in areas, for living mediocrity in areas, for going halfway in. God, today's the day we go all in. Today's the day we don't let anything hinder us or hold us back. Today, we're going to begin to walk in step with you, Jesus, seeing ourselves as you created us to be. God, I pray today that you would speak to us, that you'd open the eyes of our heart on the inside. Let us leave here transformed by your words. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be some of you here that say, Christian, that sounds great, but man, I've never started that journey with Jesus. I've I've held back. I've experienced church or religion, but man, I've never experienced a genuine relationship with the creator of the universe. But today, I I want to. I want to go all in. I want to give him everything. This is just between you and Jesus. No one's looking around. I just want to pray for you right where you're at. But if that's you and you say, Christian, today, I want to go all in with Jesus. I need that relationship. Would you just slip your hand up right where you are so I can pray with you this morning? Amen. Amen. 
You can put your hands down. And in Valley Rise, we all pray this together. So you can pray it out loud. You can pray it under your breath. You can say it in your heart. As long as you mean it, this is what I ask. Would you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, today I recognize my need for you. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. Came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life. A life I never could have lived. But you did it so that I wouldn't have to. Thank you, Jesus. Then, Jesus, I believe you went to the cross to pay for my sin bill so that I wouldn't have to. Thank you, Jesus. I receive your gift. And then I believe on the third day, Jesus, that you rose again from the grave to give me new life, hope, and freedom. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I choose to love you. I choose to serve you. I choose to seek you all the days of my life. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. Would you give a hand to those who just made the greatest decision in their lives? Amen, 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 amen. Amen. So proud of you. If you made that decision, there's a connection card in the seat in front of you. And there's a box on there that says the decision I made today. If you want to get plugged in, connected, get some next steps to keep going down that journey with Jesus, I encourage you, fill that out. Turn it in the offering bucket in a moment or next steps table out there in the back. We'd love to get you plugged in. So much of your relationship with Jesus is determined by who you do life with. So I encourage you, get plugged into some healthy, great relationships. That's what makes this journey awesome. Hey, if you came prepared to worship with your tithes and offerings, you can go ahead and get that ready. While you're doing that, let me just say this. We're going to send our students to youth camp next week. Y'all gave amazingly towards that. Thank you. We have four scholarships. We have two. So if somebody goes, hey, I wanted to go but couldn't go, or maybe I didn't know how I was going to pay for it, or if that's you or you know somebody who wants to go to youth camp and can't afford it, let us know. Next Steps table, they have four scholarships available for kids who want to go. So I encourage you. Thank you for being a generous church, helping our kids go there. I'm going to bless this. I'll let you get out of here. God, thank you today for each and every gift and every giver. God, thank you that we get to play a part of this whole thing that you instituted, God. Thank you. I pray that you would take our offerings, God, and I pray that you would use them. I pray that you would use them to heal marriages and restore lives, God, to feed the orphans, to change and transform people's lives, God, I pray. Let, let, let there be an impact on the earth this week because of how we live this week, God. I pray that you would bless our people, make your face to shine upon them, bless them, they're going out and they're coming in again. May everything they set their hands to, seeking first the kingdom of God, let it flourish, prosper, and thrive. In Jesus' precious name and everyone said amen and amen thanks for listening to this week's message we hope you'll stay connected by following us online you can find us on facebook and instagram using at valley rise church we hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon